0: listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. The five-minute syndrome. Just five more minutes. Maybe you, hopefully you're married, you sleep with someone that might have the five-minute syndrome or eight-minute syndrome, whatever it is, I call them snoozers, that they will hit that snooze button and hit that snooze button and hit that snooze button. Do you live with a snoozer? Maybe you used to sleep with a snoozer and you decided to sleep somewhere else because they are a snoozer. Or, you know, five more minutes. When are you going to get ready? Well, it's just going to take five more minutes and you know... You know that that's not true. It's going to take a lot longer than five minutes. Or maybe you are a one more, er, I don't, a one more, one minute syndrome person where I just need one more minute to do this. Or you are a stroller i didn 't know there was such a thing as a doom scroller. did you know there there were there's such a thing as a doom scroller that that some people will scroll all the news and they they just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and gloom and doom over and over again if you 're doing that I, I I just want to counsel you and just say Stop it just <laughs> stop it it 's not good for you. It increases the negativity and depression and anxiety in your life. But but we all know that doing those things doesn't add value and it's not helping you, is it? Really? And And sometimes it's like one more purchase, one more Amazon purchase, because you just like to get packages on your doorstep. Or that HSN, now I've gone to meddling, just one more, I just won't do this anymore, just one more, and it never is just one more, is it? And we just keep pushing and pushing in some areas of our lives to the danger zone, because our natural inclination is to live as close to the line as possible without going over the edge. Let me say it this way. Some of us, some of us think this way. If it, if it isn't wrong, then it must be all right. If it isn't immoral, then it is permissible. If it isn't illegal, then it must be acceptable. And if it's not over the line, then it's fine. Now, I raised a child, and you're going to have to guess which one it is, either the teacher or the Marine Corps major, that, that would say, Dad, the boundaries were solid, I just didn't like where the boundaries were. Well, you can guess that that individual, I'm not going to reveal sex or gender at this point, would often go across that line. And let's be honest, if we think that way, we wouldn't set the bar that low for anybody that you care about. In fact, you might have said to yourself, I'm concerned about them. I I," Put on your sister or your brother or your mom or your dad hat and think about this. You wouldn't place them Anybody you care about to allow them go, going down that road, that danger zone, because you know that they're heading across the line. Now, if you're joining us online this morning, we're in a series called better or wise decisions equal a better life. And if you're thinking this way, then you've got a wrong question going in your head. And, 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 and the question typically you start out with is, is there, is there anything wrong with this? And the second question that comes up after you ask that question is, how did I get myself into this? Well, let me just share with you that I, I had a jail ministry at one time. And I would visit some guys, and, and, and when you visit them in jail, typically everybody is not guilty if you've ever gone to jail and visited with them. And this was a time when actually you would go in the jail, and you'd be on one side of the bars, and they would be on the other side of the bars, and their question would be, how did I ever get here? And typically, they were there because they didn't ask the right questions. And the big idea of this series is this. There is an often overlooked relationship between good questions and good decisions. And so the, the, the questions that we're asking in this series will help you have a grid to add to your system of decision making to make your life go better. And if you're joining us online, hey, I'm praying for you. Our worship leader, today has got just tested positive for COVID today. He texted me this morning. Uh, Chelsea Wells, I don't know if you know Chelsea. She stepped up and, and just is, did a great job today, as well as our band. Thank you, Chelsea. But there's a lot, a lot of sickness, and so... We're praying for you. And if you're online, joining us online today, and you're homesick, just let, let, we just want to thank you for watching, and we're praying for you, we care about you, we love you, and uh, if you're not sick, we, we love you and care about you too. We, we wish you were here, but when you feel safe and or, we want to welcome you to come on in because, you know, these folks that are here, you guys are great we love you. And and the interactions that we have, the opportunities that we have to share faith on faith and and care about each other. I got to talk to Chelsea in between services. We were just talking, hey, we can't replace that connection that we can have with one another. That's what, what we were built for. And in fact, this next series, I'm going to be talking about relationships and how important we are to each other to make a difference in our lives. And we need that inspiration. We need that Encouragement. we need that connection. But anyway, we've been looking at these questions, and I, I just want to review them for you. First, the first question of this series was the honesty question, which is what? Am I being honest with myself, really? Because when we look in the mirror, we look at ourselves, and we are the easiest person to deceive in our lives. And, And to ask that question of, am I being honest with myself, really, gets to the core of who we are. Because nothing will change if we continue to deny who we are. And how do we make progress unless we have a life-changing faith that changes us? The second question was a legacy question. What story do I want to tell? What story? What story do I want to tell when it's only a story? What decisions am I making now? that I want to leave as a legacy to those who follow me, either our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our neighbors. The third question was the conscience question. And you wouldn't believe how many people I had talked about, uh, with alcohol last week. I didn't pre- I didn't preach against drinking last week. I preached about desensitizing our minds. If you're, if you're, if you had too much to drink, you de- desensitize yourself to, to the cues, the social cues that that are surrounding you. And that's why people who are drunk make such poor decisions. And I'm not talking about drunk people. I'm talking about you. To be in tune with yourself. To that conscious question was. Is there attention that deserves my attention in my life? And I need to listen to that. What is stopping me? What, where is that red flag going up and saying, "Hey, I don't have all the information. I, I need to stop and I need to listen to that check or that prompting of the Spirit in my life." So, am I paying attention to the tension? And our key verse is Proverbs 27:12. You probably read Proverbs before. If you haven't, I'd encourage you to do that. You probably would have overlooked this verse, but I think it's an important verse for us to make. Good decisions. And Proverbs 27, 12 says this, and will you read, read along with me? The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keeps going and pay the penalty. And we've all experienced that. We've watched people, the people that we love in our lives, had a direction and we're concerned for them because we don't think it's good for them and we care about them. And, and we need to step in and just say, Hey, have you thought about this? Or are you thinking about this? Or I'm concerned about, about you out of love, not in a questioning, judgmental way, but just out of concern. And as I'm sharing this series with you, I hope that this impresses in upon you that, that I care about you. I love you and, and I want you to have the best life. And it's only by making decisions, good decisions, you are writing the story of your life, one decision at a time. And you are responsible. You are not a victim. You're responsible for your decisions. So that brings us to the question of the day. I call it the maturity question. The, the question is simply this. What is the wise thing to do? Let's say that together. What is the wise thing to do? Now, this is a question that typically we don't ask, but we should ask, because a decision can be both not wrong and unwise at the same time. It may not be wrong, but it can be unwise. I was talking to a family this week, and what they were doing was not wrong, but it definitely wasn't wise, and they were heading across the line, and they were going to suffer for it. And I was trying to say in a nice way, a non-directive way, in a kind way, not in a judgmental way, Hey, have you thought about this? I'm concerned for you. I love you. I don't think you're heading in a good direction. But you are an adult, and you will be responsible for the consequences of your decision. And think about this. Isn't it true that your greatest regret was preceded by a series of unwise decisions What would they be it might It might be something like you're single, or maybe you're recently divorced, and, and you get involved in a relationship, and it's a new relationship, and you're really excited about that. And there's some decisions that you're making that are sending you into a situation where you're getting too intimate too fast, and you don't have all the information. It may not be wrong, it may not be immoral, it may not be illegal, but is it a wise decision? The apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 and 16, and he's talking about decisions and, and wisdom. And here's what he says. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And, And if you look at the NIV, I think it's a little bit better translation in this moment. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Paul's talking to a culture that was far from God, very pagan, very immoral, had many gods. In fact, they worshiped the goddess Diana, which was a fertility cult, which which was way, way out there beyond what we are used to seeing even today. And Paul is saying, here, your time requires you to take an opportunity. At, well, actually, the Greek word here is, uh, for time is opportunity to redeem or to ransom the time. And that's where the NIV comes in a little bit better in this translation because have you thought about multiplying your time and what a gift your time is and how that you should guard it and be very careful with it in your use, in your productivity, in, in the efficient use of your time? And at the same time, your time even in rest is valuable. And so we need to make wise decisions to take and make every oppor- use every opportunity for our time. But then he goes on and he says, because because of the evil in our culture, in our lives, in in fact, sometimes even in ourselves, that we we need to be careful. And and if you think about it, when is the last time? You heard or saw or even read about an advertisement that encouraged you to be careful, to be wise, to be self controlled. I was talking to our children's pastor, John Rhodes, a couple weeks ago, and he said, Chris, when we were talking about sermons and series, he said, You don't hear anyone talking about self control anymore. I guess it's not a popular topic but really that's a calling it's the last fruit of the spirit and and self control is a fruit that we need to practice it's hard to control ourselves it's hard to lead ourselves but it's so very important to be self controlled now this morning I want to look at three perspectives on this maturity question. And and they're simple, they're easy to remember, but I think they're so, so very important. The first one is this. In, the, in light of your past experiences, what is the wise thing for you to do? Past experiences... That's interesting. We all have a history, and as I work in premarital counseling specifically, because I don't do counseling because I prefer to be your pastor and not your counselor, I prefer to look at you as a child of God, a member of a family, rather than looking at you as a problem that needs to be fixed. That's a different perspective, isn't it? You know, as a counselor, I have to look at you at a problem, and it doesn't help church membership if I know what your problems are. So that's why I send you to a Christian counselor to get help if you need help. Now, I'll listen to your problem, and I'll handle it from a pastor's point of view, which is that... Life-changing faith to grow and mature in Christ will help you, but your focus is on God and your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and you as a disciple, but not you as a problem. But our past sometimes comes into our present, and we don't realize that. George Santa Ana said it this way. He said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. In other words, the mistake or the tragic problem or issue that you've had will probably come and haunt you again if you don't change. And I know some people are really good at not changing and they keep handling the same thing and the same issue over and over and over again. In fact, in, in, in premarital counseling, there have been times where, you know, the guy and the girl they, they show up and they're all ready to get married and they're, they're happy about the wedding, but they're not happy, especially guys, not happy to be in premarital counseling. Cause they, they feel like I'm gonna shrink their head. They're going to, uh, you know, have to give answers to things that I don't wanna know about. And, and so, and, and really it's just an educational process to set them up to be successful. That's all it is. They read a few books and we talk about some things in preparation, but I don't pry because I just don't want to know. But, but there are times where someone's passed. It might be the guy. It might be the girl. They, they, they've got some history. They got some things going on and they're super defensive about certain things. And I have to stop back and say, Hey, after, after the wedding, you might need to go see a professional counselor. Now, mostly, I get a reaction from the guys, and they get mad. It's, you know, they feel like they need to get a gold star, or somebody should pat them on the head for showing up for premarital counseling. They do. They do. But, but then I say, hey, you need some more help. And guess what? I've just made an enemy. And typically, they'll get pretty mad, and I can pretty well tell that I've made them mad when I do that. And, and of course, I'm, you know, very popular in the, in those moments. <laughs> and, I say, again, I say, well, you seem a little defensive. And uh, I said, that just kind of indicates to me that you probably do need some counseling. And they resent it. But but sometimes, sometimes they go ahead and they do the work. And, and the reason why is, is because they want to do the wise thing. And if they neglect it, that could come back into their marriage and haunt them. And so even though they get mad, sometimes they pay attention to the tension and it guides them in the right path. And so our past experiences we need to look at from from that maturity question and wisdom. And how about our current circumstances? In light of your current circumstances, what is the wise thing for you? to do. And that's hard because sometimes we have to pause and we have to reflect in the moment. And most of the time it's easier to reflect looking at the past and and in reality we need to stop and take take inventory in our lives and we need to think about what is going on and and it may be who you're dating. Maybe it may, maybe your marriage relationship, it may be a coworker Worker relationship or supervisor relationship. It may be a parent-child relationship. But, but we, we need to stop and think about in, in terms of our current circumstances, what is the wise thing for you to do? What is going on? And, and it could be anything. But, but in this present time period, in this season of life, what is the wise thing for you to do? Professionally, career wise, marriage wise, parenting wise, what is the wise thing to do? And finally, the third perspective is this. In light of your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for you to do? And, and a lot of people don't think too much about their future hopes and dreams. Now, I was preaching in first service this morning, and a lot of our people of a certain age attend that service. And they may not think they should have a whole lot of hopes and dreams because most of them have lived long enough that most of their life is behind them, and and their future of their life is probably shorter than what they've already experienced. But listen, folks... There are still things that you need to do. There are still things that you should hope for. There still are dreams that you should have to make a difference in others' lives as well as your own. We don't stop when we retire, in other words. God still has a plan and a purpose and a hope for you. And so that is going on right now. But for our young people that are here, our... Our younger audience, what are your hopes and dreams for your future? Do you expect to get married? What kind of career are you going to have? What kind of family do you want to have? How do you want to live? Those decisions that you are making right now are huge in the rest of your life. And I, I just want to ask you, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? Let me tell you what breaks my heart is watching people make decisions that undermine their own future. That breaks my heart. As a pastor, as a person, as a friend, as a neighbor, that breaks my heart. To watch people ruin their lives, basically, because those hopes and dreams that they have, they won't attain because of the decisions they're making now. It could be in your dating. It could be scholastically at school. It could be what you're doing in college. It could be in your career choices. It could be in choosing a, a person who's not a Christian for your ma- to be your mate. It could be that simple, and we go on and on from there. And recognize this, and I don't want to be Mr. Negative, but 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 this is reality. Life is hard on dreams. Isn't it? Anything worth doing is worth setting a goal and working toward that goal. And we all know that it takes longer and it is harder and it's more challenging to reach a goal. To, to actually achieve the dream that you desire. And we've got to realize this, that nobody plans to undermine their own future. Do they? If if life were simpler, if reality was less real, we wouldn't do that. But typically what I hear, and I know this is maybe personal, is I hear a lot of excuses. Well, I would have, I could have, I should have. And the problem with excuses is it denies responsibility. And what did we say? In the very beginning, in the legacy question, that we decide our story one decision at a time. You're not a victim. You are a responsible human being. God has given you an intellect. And you don't have to be super smart to answer these questions that we're looking at. But excuses are a danger. You see, because excuses escort us to the threshold of regret and abandon us there with little margin for error. Remember, we talked about if it wasn't wrong, then it must be all right. If it wasn't immoral, then it must be acceptable. If it's not illegal, then it must be permissible. And if it's not across the line, then it's fine. But that's no way to live your life, is it? So the challenge is this. Would you be willing? The challenge that I want to place before you is this. Would you be willing to put away your old, worn-out excuses once and for all? You know, the excuses that allow for you to behave and, and to make certain choices. And then I would challenge you, and actually write this down, to dream and plan your way forward. Dream and plan your way forward to an alternative goal and a purposeful goal of where you want to go, where you feel the Lord is directing you. Dream and plan your way forward. And that just brings us to another question. And you say, well, Chris, you ask a whole lot of questions. So th- Here's the question. What, what are you doing now that has the potential to rob you of your preferred future? What are you doing right now that could rob you of that preferred future? What is it that's setting you back? Now, I've got a quote. And it's from Andy Stanley, and I think this is good, and especially for our teenage audience, this is an easy, or our college students, this would be an easy, easy thing to remember to kind of encapsulate the message of today. And I'm going to have you all, even if you're not in college anymore, maybe you're 40 or 50 years down the road from college now, but I want you to say it out loud with me. It, it, It goes like this. There's good and there's bad. But that's not my cue, but rather, what is the wise thing to do? Wouldn't you like, parents of teenagers, wouldn't you like your teenagers to ask this question every once in a while? Will you read this with me? There's good and there's bad, but that's not my cue, but rather, what is the wise thing to do? I didn't hear you very well. Let's try it again. There's good and there's bad, but that's not my cue, but rather, what is the wise thing to do? Now one of the wisest men that ever lived, I think probably the wisest man that ever ever lived was King Solomon. When you read the Proverbs, a lot of those are in Proverbs. If you read about King King Solomon in, in in the book of the Kings in the Old Testament, you will find that he was a very, very wise man. People came from all over the world to 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 hear his wisdom. The queen Queen of Sheba came and listened to his wisdom, but I don't think he was a very wise man. Because he didn't, I don't think he asked the question, what is the wise thing to do? Because he collected like, I don't know what, 700 wives and 300 concubines or something crazy like that. Obviously, he had a problem with morality. And second, he he allowed his wives to worship other gods. And Solomon began to worship other gods. And it led to his downfall. Now, you might not have 700 wives or 700 husbands, however you want to look at it. But you have some things vying for that place of God in your life. And, and that's not where you should be. That's not the wise thing to do. What I'd like to do is end with three questions this morning, like every Sunday through this series. I always have three questions. It's because of the Trinity, I think. Not really. But here are three questions I want you to ask yourself this week. First is, does this statement ring true for you? Excuses escort us to the threshold of regret and abandon us there with little margin for error. Are you living on the margin? And it's just one misstep, and you're going to fall. That's too close. That's not wise. Question number two. When you're making a decision, why are you more prone to evaluate options through the filters of legal, moral, ethical, and acceptable rather than through the filter of wisdom and asking yourself the question, what's the wise thing to do? And third... Would you commit to asking the maturity question for the next seven days every time you make a decision? What's the wise thing to do in this moment? Now, folks, the greatest decision to me, the wisest decision you can make in all your life is to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, to confess him, to repent, to be baptized into Christ. And so that's why we have an invitation every single Sunday that you might come to know him as Lord and Savior of your life, then he'll do the life-changing work inside of you. And so that's where we are today. It's at a point of decision, a time of invitation, and I hope it is right there where you are in your seat, in your heart, saying, God, I know that this is something I need to do in, in my life to take that next step closer to you. Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, we're grateful for this time. Father, we pray that we might make the wise decisions in our lives. Not only for ourselves, which is important, but for those around us. For our our spouses, for our family, for our friends, for our mate, for our neighbors, for those we work with. And Father, I pray for those that have never decided to follow you as Lord and Savior, never submitted into baptism, never, never confessed your son as Lord and Savior of their life. And I just pray, Father, that you would move in their hearts and their spirits. And Father, we just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning?